Hypebeast Radio, I'm Jeff Staple, and this is The Business of Hype, a show about creative entrepreneurs, brand builders, innovators, and the realities behind the dreams they've built. Graffitis, tattoos, and lowrider culture. Some may consider these forms of art as renegade or low-class, while others have argued how influential they actually are to the entire global history of art. Our guest on the Business of Hype podcast this week has had a massive career recognizing each side of those two perceptions, the glamour and incredible opportunities as a famed artist, but also the realities of being out in the middle of the night writing on walls. People throw around the term OG a lot these days, But this week's guest is the true definition of it. He's a household name in the sneaker world, the tattoo universe, and is a living icon for Los Angeles. He's designed logos for music groups and labels, and he's tattooed the bodies of celebrities like Eminem, Kanye West, and Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace. And he's had some of the best sneaker collaborations with Nike of all time, and so much more. He is the epitome of diversifying your assets, even if he didn't really mean to do it. Get ready for the one and only L.A.'s very own Mr. Cartoon. All right. So uh, thanks for having me in your amazing, I don't even know if you could call this just a studio. This is like a complex, a a compound, compound. compound, Yep. Uh, But thank you for having me here. You want to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, my name is Mr. Cartoon. I'm a tourist. I like classic cars, uh, long walks on the beach. I'm a married man. <laughs> I have four children, and I'm a tattoo artist. Nice. Are you really just a tattoo artist? Uh, no, but um, that's what people know me for, which mm-hmm. is strange because a tattoo, I mean, I I drew and I've been an artist since I was a teenager, and uh but I think that people gravitate towards tattoos mm-hmm. and they identify with it. Yeah. Or even if they don't want one, they know someone that does. Right. And people are fascinated with that shit. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about your career is like you have so many spheres that you interact in, like whether it's automobile culture, For sure. street fashion culture, sneaker culture, tattoo culture, you know, like so I bet people in different pockets only know you as like, oh, he's the guy who did the Vans and the Cortez, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That, that's a trip because um, staying relevant in different areas is is difficult, but it's natural to kind of design the things you love. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love shoes, and I'm mean, like everyone else does, but, you know, the challenge to design them and work on them and do all that, you know, really fires me up. Yeah. And cars and all that stuff kind of like, interest me mm-hmm. off off hours from work i think about that shit all night you know and i just like to see finished product too like going from a, a rough sketch to like right. making making things yeah you know? yep how many years would you say you are a professional artist i mean i've never had any other job but this okay I've never like my mom said you know what mijo you need to go to mcdonald's <laughs> And learn what a work ethic mm-hmm. is. A paycheck, like, like a paycheck, regular like, paycheck, yeah. 
because she wanted me to see how good I had it, which I did. I was, I've been very, very fortunate through mm-hmm. my life where um, I've been able just to have good timing mm-hmm. with my art. You know, some people call it luck. Yeah. Um, some say you got to be prepared for opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been professional from about the age of sixteen. Okay. I started to get like magazine covers with graffiti and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Meaning and someone paying you money for yeah, your Yeah, like randomly some guy pulled up to my high school uh-huh. and asked a group of girls, like, who's the best graffiti artist in the school? And the girl grabbed me out of detention and says, hey, some man's asking about graffiti. And, and I, I talked to him and he, he was a photographer that worked for Car and Driver uh-huh. and Hot Rod Magazine. Okay. And he got me two covers where I did the graffiti and he parked a custom car in front of it and a girl came in a bikini and wow. pretty cheesy 80s, yeah. you know, 1987, 88. Right, Car and Driver magazine. Yeah. yeah. But and that's huge. At, it was huge because I got a little credit in there. Uh-huh. But my, I did the first Car and Driver, went great. Dude high-fived me, goes, hey, you're a young entrepreneur, man. This is good. And, I, and, and then the next time, for the next magazine, I brought my buddies. I fucked up and brought my my goofball friends with me and they wrote all over the side of the building that they had rented for me to paint on and i didn't know uh-huh. i was painting and these fulios went over there and painted on everything and the guy called me flipping out yeah and, and basically fired me you know wow so my first like great job and i, I got the boot because my i brought my friends to work yep and like they couldn't separate business and fooling around yeah, because graffiti looks like you know, it's, it's not a real job. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. So that was it. And then after that, I, I got lucky. My sister goes, she goes, you always get fucking lucky, man. She goes, they want to hire you at, at Paramount Studios to uh, terrorize the background on movies. Like, just go and write <laughs> your hood on the wall. And I go, you for real? She goes, yeah, they're going to pay you like 500 bucks or whatever it was back. It seemed like a lot of money. Yeah. But back then, this is like pre-social media, Instagram. So how how are you getting the this name is, recognition out? This is pre-MySpace. This is pre-email, <laughs> pre uh, maybe. No emails. <laughs> I made it through my whole childhood with no phone. You know, come home when it gets dark and shit. No mobile phone. You know, no mobile phone. Yeah, we had a. I think I even had a rotary phone at one time at some age. You know. So so educate young people listening to this. A, how does someone figure out that we need cartoon to do our Paramount Studio backdrop, whatever. And then how do they get in touch with you? Well, everyone gets a job through their relatives. Uh-huh. So my sister knew a girl that worked at the studios. Mm-hmm. She had, uh, hey, doesn't your brother do that? I met him at a birthday party or some shit. So <laughs> it's timing, baby, right. timing. You and, know? and being open to the opportunity. Yeah, and then when she says, like, well, let me get this straight. They just want me to write my name all over everything. She goes, yeah, but do it in between this wall and this wall. And there was a camera. And I went, there was a craft service table, and I was like, oh, hell no. And I was like taking candies, you know, taking some fucking shit off of it. And they were like, you know, you can just have that. (laughs) You're like trying to sneak it? Yeah, I thought I was getting over. I'd never been on a movie set before. But I kind of got sprung on that shit like, oh, shit. Yeah. They're calling me sir. My mom (laughs) typed up an invoice for me on a typewriter. Uh I put my spray paint cans in my dad's old briefcase. Yeah. And I, I should try to show up like professional. Like I knew what I was doing, right? You know, right. and I played it off, and had been doing it since. So I want to ask you about that invoice because this is the business of hype. Right. So it's kind of like a business oriented mm-hmm. show. How did you know 
what an invoice was. Yeah, or like what number to put on that invoice. Yeah, I made up a deep number so it looked like I had written a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm fortunate that I have a beautiful mother and father, mm-hmm. which I I contribute a lot of my my success to them. My parents are mad optimists. I mm. mean, they're the fucking coolest people. You meet my old man, you vibe out with them. Fuck, you love him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Have you laughing? Um, my mom's just a sweetheart, and how they ended up with a degenerate son, fucking doing <laughs> drugs and going to jail, and you know what I'm saying? Nah, they they were great parents, man, and they instilled in me like my foundation. Mm. So no matter what trouble I got into in life. Yeah, I had like my old man's voice in my head, mm-hmm. and he would just encourage me, you know, to do art and do my shit. As long as I was hustling, as long as he seen me moving, yeah. he was cool. Right? Did you actually go to jail? I mean, small shit. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been to LA for, County Jail, all for, for hydraulic hydraulic tickets and graph. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, I didn't know you could go to jail for hydraulic tickets. Well, if you don't pay the ticket, it turns into a bench warrant, and okay. then they just. Escort you to the county jail. And was your dad mad when you would go to jail for graph? Because that's like artistic expression. Yeah, he wasn't too too happy with that shit. You know, the detectives came, he grabbed me out of school. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, cop knew my old man. Mm-hmm. And he was like, that's fucking Bob's kid. <laughs> Robert's kid, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. And it got me, got me out of a lot of trouble. Word. How do you um, advance from the spray can mm-hmm. to the airbrush then? Well, I fell in love with graffiti. Mm-hmm. I, I watched a fucking Blondie video with uh, Rapture. Yeah. And, and I seen a Lee piece in the back, and I was like, oh, shit. Lee, and for those who don't know, Lee, Lee Kionis, Kionis is, yeah. is one of the greatest graph writers, right. you know, of our time. Uh, a legend with Futura. And, that and video, and you got, if you're listening and you haven't heard or seen this, you got a YouTube Blondie Rapture. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a new video on MTV, you know, and mm-hmm. I had graph and motherfuckers were b-boying and breaking and shit. And yep. We would just thrive off any piece. And then once we got Subway Art, that was like the Bible. Yeah. And our only reference to East Coast graph. Because mm-hmm. we wanted, we love hip hop. We were trying to do it out here. We knew it came from the East Coast. But um, we would put our little spin on it and yeah. twist it up, make it look West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. What is the, now that you've gotten to see the whole world, what is signature about L.A. culture? You know, traveling the world, I think the thing that makes L.A. stand out is our fonts. So using old English fonts, mm-hmm. using script and like Roman letters and, and taking kind of historical uh, sign painting and like chiseled letters yeah. and putting those on the wall. Mm-hmm. And... um like the Cholo writing, like the Pachuco yep. era of basically simplifying old English for a wall gives uh-huh. you those block style letters. Oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. So, but it becomes like a code, like it's like a hieroglyphic. It lets you know what neighborhood you're in mm. and who's beefing or who's going at it. So when you read the walls, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever stop reading the walls. You know, you grow up, be it if I'm in Detroit or New York yeah, or back home in LA. Um, you read the walls and kind of tells you what, what territory you're at. Yeah. yeah.
When the video for Blondie's Rapture came out in the early 80s, it was groundbreaking. For the pop culture end, this was the birth of MTV, and even part of its original block of videos that it played. For the kids outside of New York, this was a snapshot of the culturally defining downtown scene. Debbie Harry rapping, Basquiat DJing, a young Lee Quinones piece in the back with Fab Five Freddy writing behind Debbie. I'm sure you can imagine how eye-opening this was for a kid all the way across the country in Los Angeles. Different cities, different cultures, different vibes, but somehow all linked through a growing love for graffiti. Today, you may know Mr. Cartoon as a famed tattoo artist who has done dope collaborations with brands like Nike, Vans, New Era, NHL, the NBA, and so much more. When a major brand wants to connect with real LA culture and art, they often hit up Cartoon to help celebrate the city and the community in a very true, authentic way. Cartoon is an icon, but it wasn't always brand collabs or tattooing for him. Graffiti is actually the foundation. So much of today's culture, especially in streetwear, can trace back to graffiti as the roots of it all. What's great about Cartoon Story is that it shows that you can discover what you love at an early age and eventually find the living that points right back to that passion. Over the years, refining his graph writing, going from the name Flame One to eventually Cartoon, that moment his sister hooked him up with the studio job is a pivotal point that shows there's business and money for doing anything you truly love. With the encouragement he had from his parents, a foundation was built for Cartoon to be the artist that best embodies what LA means. It just goes to show, taking the time to hone your craft is actually the best possible investment you can make in life. Okay, so going back to Airbrush, Mm. was that like a more sellable thing? Yeah, so I had my point was I had to get a job. Okay. Job. And spray paint can only like I could do Joe's auto body on the side wall, but when he wanted it on his glass, I couldn't use spray paint on the glass. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I seen these guys that were gold leafing the windows on like VW Beatles and, and mini trucks. Yeah. Put your girl's name on one side, your name on the other side, and your crew on the back. Okay. And I was like, oh, shit, that looks like graffiti. It mm-hmm. has a 3D, it has a fade, yep. highlights, sparkle on it. So I went to L.A. Trade Tech in downtown L.A. in 1988, mm-hmm. and I enrolled in sign graphics. And it, and it showed me how to use one-shot paint and how to apply uh, oil paint to a surface like mirror yeah. or a stucco wall or or um, a glass or, or a side of a a metal truck like an 18 wheeler right you know what i'm saying so i studied they told me leave your air i showed up with my airbrush on they were like so you can leave that at home really and uh i had to learn how to basically do the helvetica alphabet with the brush wow that's dope you know what's so la too is that of course the canvas is automobiles and trucks yeah <laughs> and yeah it's that's like you know west coast yeah shit. Like, did you ever airbrush T-shirts? Did you get into that? Like, denim jackets and shit? That's where I started. My first thing was, like, doing a Levi's denim jacket. I seen a picture of a bunch of, like, Puerto Ricans in New York, and Mm -hmm. they had the back painted with, like, acrylic. Yeah. And they had, like, a graffiti piece and graffiti rocker or some shit. I was like, oh, shit. That's tight. I want to try to do that shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I just remember mimicking it, man, getting some gesso and shit and Mm -hmm. painting the back of my buddy's jacket. Right. 
if you see it right now, shit probably looks fucking toy, looks terrible, you know. But <laughs> when I did it fresh, boy, I thought, oh, I'm in the game, you know. Yeah. And I, I went to car shows. Like car shows are real West Coast mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle. So every weekend, at some random high school or a park, there'll be a hundred lowriders laying in the cr- and girls and a barbecue and music and right. people walking through the in and out of the cars. And I went with my old man, and I seen this this guy painting portraits of people's cars, mm-hmm. and put like the car club plaque, or Joe loves Yolanda, or some, you know, yeah. names. And I was like, I can do that shit. Because mm-hmm. I asked my old man, I was like, Poppy, help me get one of these cars. He started laughing, you know. He's yeah. like, Son, these these cars are expensive. He goes, But if you learn a trade, you can barter for it. Uh huh. My dad was a king of bartering. Yeah. Anytime he went to get a steak is because he printed the menus. He was a printer. He was a lithographer. Oh, okay. So he, he would have a, a Heidelberg press or a Chief 15 a uh-huh. offset press. Right. And he, you know, when he was a little boy, he, he swept the shop. Yeah. And he ended up being a master pressman. Oh, wow. Opening up like mom and pop shop in the neighborhood. You is know? that where your obsession with typefaces and fonts and stuff came from, you think? Yeah. I mean, there was a typeset lady. They called it typeset. Uh-huh. And I would watch him cut Ruby Lith. Mm-hmm. And I was, for those who don't know, um, Ruby Lith is like color separations for t shirt graphics or business cards in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, this is where you had to cut letters out with an X Acto blade and like actually yeah, it was put them film. next to each other. Yeah, on film. Yeah. Right. And that was an art in itself because you could do little highlights with it. And uh-huh. like, so my mom would say, hey, son, look, this is our professional artist. So I'm whispering. <laughs> she would kind of pull me to the side and go, hey, check it out. Yeah. This is how professional artists turn their work in. Right. Like someone that went to art school, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I would mimic them. Did you go to art school? I didn't. I, well, I went to LA Trade Tech. Yeah, but not But like sign it. graphics is kind of like plumbing. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, it's the blue collar version. It's a blue collar yeah. of art. Yep. You know, to yeah. be able and to if put, you And if you have the creativity, maybe you just need to learn the skills, like the raw skill set. That teaches you um, the weights of letters. It teaches you composition. Mm-hmm. It layout. teaches you uh, layout yeah. and how to work on these different surfaces. And it's very, very challenging, man. Yeah. I want to ask you this. Do you think great creatives are born or made? I think um, I lean towards being made. Mm. And the reason is most people say that they're born. You're a born artist. Yeah. Well, I just happened to be born in Southern California under Bob and Yolanda Machado's son, who are mad optimists, creative people that can paint. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I ended up drawing. Yeah. It's not that usually what like your parents are into or yeah. the opposite of what your parents, some right. shit like that. Right. So I'm, I'm not a superstitious person. Um, I don't believe in being like blessed or gifted or Mm -hmm. anything like that really i believe that i found something i loved at a young age Mm -hmm. i figured out my passion yeah at 12 and that was gave me an advantage of course by the time i had put my 10 years in i was 22 yeah and i was already in london and new york and doing all this shit right because i fell in love and i put like massive energy mm-hmm. behind one thing yeah which was drawing now i thought i was just going to be a graffiti artist mm-hmm. i didn't know i was going to be 
a mural artist or a tattoo artist or a fashion. Yeah. Was, when they called me a designer, I couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> I was like, that's what I've been called a lot of things, man. I've yeah. never been called a designer. Well, when you were doing graffiti, who was doing graffiti that was quote unquote successful? Like the New York Fu- writers. Futuro, like, yeah, was- Futura was our hero as far as, you know, um, he was doing abstract whole cars uh-huh. in the early 80s. Like, and train, train cars. Train cars, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like. And I, I really want to emphasize to people listening right now, we're we're not talking Futura who's doing the Louis Vuitton Virgil yeah. Abloh show. Like this is Futura graph artist hanging onto a side of a train. Yeah, like can go to jail. Like, yes. Get and, killed. And kicking back and like <laughs> like I'm not even gonna do any letters. I'm just gonna have a free flowing visual fantasy <laughs> on the side of this fucking train. Right. So living up to that shit, we didn't even see ourselves there, but we uh, we were just in it to impress our peers, you know. Yeah. So um, as time went on, we we looked at hey man, if Futura could do it, what would my shit look like? Uh-huh. So I think a lot of it is the way. So you asked me, are we born like Michael Jackson singing? Like a grown adult at ten years old, I can't really explain that shit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That's like Picasso shit. Like yeah, just, yeah, that's very rare, very, right. very. And if you look, he probably put those his ten years in in five. Yeah, because Papa Joe was kicking his ass. <laughs> exactly from a child, kicked like, his yeah. ass right into stardom. Right. <laughs> that's a great. Cool. A lot of people get their ass kicked. They ain't into get stardom. shit but a foot in their ass. <laughs> He got on the red carpet. Right. So people put down Papa Joe, but God damn, man, that motherfucker had some... Whipped him. Some shit. It's dope to me that you saw Futura as successful back then when it wasn't because he was doing Nike collabs and making mm-hmm. big checks. It was like just his expression was why he was like the man. Yeah, he he did his tag like a, a signature on a check. Yeah. You know, right, so yeah. we were just like... Phew. <laughs> he can't do anything better than that. <laughs> and then when he collabed with, with uh, Nike, uh-huh. it was just like another one. Oh yeah. shit! That's this is you know laying a blueprint for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's take a moment and recognize how much of an icon Futura is. As I mentioned before, if you YouTube the Blondie Rapture video you'll see a glimpse of ground zero of where this entire culture began. Look at that, and then look at the video of Virgil Abloh's Louis Vuitton fall-winter 2019 runway show. Futura lived through both of them. This is pre-graffiti inside a gallery or a museum exhibition. We're talking out there, in the streets, and on the trains. And I said on the trains, not in the trains. In a time when pieces were big bubble, simple, intricate, complex, or wild style, Futura came to the game with something totally different and, no pun intended, futuristic. Different from any others. And like what Cartoon said, eventually laying down the blueprint for everyone else. Much of streetwear and hype culture can and should thank graffiti. Futura and Stash are pivotal New York writers who transitioned into store owners, brand owners, and collaborators for many years. Eric Hayes is another icon who was recently celebrated this season with his own Brooklyn Nets jersey. Cause, without a doubt, has made his stamp as an international name. And last season's guests, A-Life, helped pioneer the sneaker boutique scene to where we see it today. And they credit their store and brand to be founded with the graffiti community in mind. And this season's recent guest, Drika Linknit, 
talked about how one of the first collaborations Nike did as part of the energy marketing plan was partnering with Os Gemios, twin brothers from Sao Paulo who are graffiti and street artists. Trust me, I can go on and on and on and on. The dots are connected, the influence is intertwined, and the impact is greater than many people probably believe. Mr. Cartoon has worked within this realm for so many years, carving out his distinct styles in graffiti, car murals, and tattooing. He undoubtedly put LA on the global map. And when you see his work, you instantly think LA. It doesn't matter if you're at a group exhibition show in Brooklyn or a sneaker boutique in Tokyo, you know where his spirit hails from, the city of angels. Is the first shoe company you worked with Nike? Yes. How did that occur? Walk well, us through that story. I mean, you have years and years of experimenting and drawing and of course. making mistakes and, and, and getting overpaid here and getting underpaid there and uh, honing your, your shit. Mm-hmm. You know? And a lot of it, too, is about who you surround yourself by. Yeah. You know, I've been fortunate to have my, myself around a lot of creatives mm-hmm. and, and sick sick motherfuckers you know so that shit rubs off you know and uh it takes a team to make it yeah like i'm doing this interview but it it takes a team of us to pull all this shit off Mm -hmm. um but back then i did a lot of this shit on my own you know and it was i started doing album covers yeah so that was kind of my thing in the music business like i love music Mm -hmm. and i was able to do album covers and then once i started tattooing it it rattled a lot of cages. Say, with, with once Eminem, I tattooed Eminem. I didn't no longer needed a portfolio. <laughs> we used to fucking have portfolios. Of course, back a book of your you know work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and we'd have to pass that. We send it to a record label or hope you get it back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a big black leather <laughs> yeah. case, you know. Yeah, and it's just funny now, but um, <laughs> back then I was just West Coast was just getting into like the shoe game Mm -hmm. there was always kids out here that knew what's up with jordans and what jordan was coming out or what air max but overall the west coast were like chucks and vans Mm -hmm. and like cortez and shit and a couple of the ballers will will pull off some some k-swiss classics or some some Mm jays But as time went on with, with shit starting to share, we started. I started going to New York, and I see the Puerto Rican, Dominican kids wearing uptowns. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, oh shit! I'll trip on their flair, and I would go to Tokyo, and I'd see people obsessed mm-hmm. with the Air Force One. I was like, oh shit, we gotta, you know, I want to, I want to bust my shit. I want to, I just wanted to wear them. Yeah. So I started bringing them back from Japan, like uh-huh. colors my homies didn't have, you right. know. And uh, I, I showed them a bape, and they were like, man, that shit's fake. Like, yeah. They didn't understand <laughs> right, right. Boot what leg. that shit was. Yeah, it was a bootleg. And then later on, they were like, hey, man, can you get me them bape shits? <laughs> were you traveling because of the tattooing? That's what was taking you all around the world? Yeah, I started going to Tokyo in 1992. Mm-hmm. I started muraling cars out there. Oh, okay. So one of my hustles to be around lowriders and to, to barter with them is to paint uh, fantasy murals on cars. Uh-huh. And back in the 80s, they would do like a Conan the Barbarian mural on a car. Right. Because the girl looked hot. Or they would use like a Frank Frenzetta. Yeah. And he's from Brooklyn or something, right? And 
they would make the hot girl. She kind of looked Latina, so yeah. they use that. And then they put that big monster coming out of the swamp, and he's ready to, Conan's ready to fight. But I was like, what the fuck does Conan have to do with the lowrider, right? Uh-huh. Like, but it looked good. Visually, the colors were there, the fades, everything. The girl looked, you know, picturesque. Everything looked perfect. Yeah. So I was like, well, we should do shit that re- reflects more of the street. Mm-hmm. the way girls look now and they wear their hair now and shit so i started painting that and started putting expressions of that time so when you look at my old murals you can tell oh man it's 95 look at her hair look right. at this or that it's of the time yeah. yeah so from that body of work we came up with the idea of like man the west coast needs a shoe but i can't just bust your air force one i have to do a cortez mm-hmm. with it explain why because uh, the East Coast is uptown, it's, right. it's a it's a it's a New York, you know, city shoe. So we recognize that, and a Cortez is is a shoe that was adopted by lowriders and gangsters in L.A. Mm-hmm. and even just regular kids, sporty kids, yeah. that would wear them, you know. But in the eighties, it was dangerous to wear those shoes. Early nineties, yeah, because they would get stolen. Nah, because they they. Consider you affiliated gang member if you if you wear those shoes. Wow! So you could be approached on like you know where are you from this uh-huh, and that. Uh-huh. So the shoe got like some schools you couldn't even wear Cortezes there. Damn! It went with like with a Raider cap, Cortez, mm-hmm, a starter mm-hmm. jacket. That you were affiliated. It. Yeah. Okay. But everyone was dressing like that, so it, so it, you uh, knew if you even though you were inspired by uptowns, it would yeah. have been fronting on. Cali culture, if you did right, that. Right, right. And who's trying to do a Cortez collab? Right. No one back then. No one. So I was like, okay, that'll be good. That, so we kept it, you know, with uh, with the style that we knew was going to mm-hmm. work, you know? Yeah. Navy blue and gray. Right. You know, cowboy colors, pirates colors, stuff yeah. like that. But I want to know who approached you. Well, I actually approached, I knew one guy, I knew B. Wynn that worked at Nike. Uh-huh. And... What did he do? What did he do at Nike? Do you remember? Was he like a high level person or like? He was, yeah, he was a middle level, like, you know, like they had a place called the Blue, the Blue House. Mm-hmm. And um, that, like an Venice, energy center. It was an energy yeah. house. It was yeah. Jim Morrison's old house mm-hmm. where they would throw parties and right. shit. Right. So he was a good standing at Nike and he was the only guy I knew. And I go, bro, can I have a meeting with you? You know, and he goes, yeah, yeah, come meet me down at the Blue House. I get all the drawings together. I sketch the shoe out. I'm all hyped, confident. Uh-huh. I roll in and I go, bro, what's up with the sh-? You know, I want to design a shoe. And mm-hmm. he goes, so does everyone else. <laughs> get in line. Get in line. <laughs> Wait, what year is this? Just so we understand. This is in 2004. 2004. Yeah. Okay. And um, Collabs weren't like an everyday thing yet. Like not everyone, it wasn't a collaboration a week. It was right. like- at this point, I would say like five people had collaborations. Yeah, it wasn't at that time. It was just ramping up, and we were just learning that word. Yeah, like I think probably Stash and Futura had one for sure. Yep, and that's hard to live up to. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Right. And some some other, uh, and of course, you guys did that dunk. You know what I'm yeah. saying. I mean, it was it was just starting to ramp up. Yeah, we did that in '05, so that was a year later. Okay, so that hadn't happened yet. Yeah, well. You know, from the first talks, it mm-hmm. took a year and some change. So he said, to he make said it happen. yeah, everyone else does. And then everyone else does it. And then I was like, fuck. And I <laughs> left there kind of like, 
a little wind out of my sails. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Did all like, this presentation shit. Yeah, I thought I thought I would just be able to walk that shit in. I don't know why I thought that because nothing usually works like that. But right. um, I I thought that he would be blown away by my concept. <laughs> but anyways, he called me back. He goes, "Bro, I got good news. They want to fly you to New York and they want you to tattoo at an event for for tastemakers." Uh-huh. And um, they want you to tattoo at the party. I remember this party. Yeah. Was, what was it launching? I it was laser technology. Yes, laser technology. Yo. So the idea was this was tattooing they rented the shoes. out this crazy building, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I got 10 racks for you. you just got, they're going to fly you out. You just got to show up. It's not a shoe yet, but it's like it's paid work for Nike. Paid work for Nike. And I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a good deal. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even like, I could just do a script name. It's a $10,000 script name. <laughs> That's, I'm winning, you know? Right. And I told my, my boy about it, and he's like, you can't take that money. I go, what do you mean? He goes, if you take that money, they'll never look at you as a designer. They'll look at you as the circus act that they rented to dance around <laughs> pop lock in front of the fucking people. Oh, shit. You're the fucking rented, you're the right. stripper. Right. You're like the vendor. Yeah. You're the stripper. <laughs> you're the fireman right. who's yeah, going to come in, you know? <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Like, I just realized, like, damn, you're, you're kind of right. He goes, tell them, good looking out, thank you. Mm-hmm. But if they want to fly you out as a tastemaker, you'll go. No no 10 racks. No. Keep the money. Just fly Keep me the out. money. I don't want to tattoo at the event. I just want to just, like, vibe. I'm, I'm down to just chill. Man. Damn. Okay. What and did I, they say? They, they must well, have been- I told my partner, he goes, what the fuck? You fucking all up, man. <laughs> You're getting all fancy. We haven't right. even started yet. Burning the money we don't got. Yeah, and I was like, fuck. And I'm like, what? They might just say no. They might just say no. You know, <laughs> to I'm not paying you. Well, not, not I'm not going to lose the 10 grand, but they might not even just fly me out. Exactly. They might not even They might be like, this idea. is weird shit. Yeah. And uh, he calls me back and goes, bro, they said, yeah. <laughs> They're going to fly you out. Nice. So I was like, cool, because then I'm on more of a level with my boys, with Futura and Lee and these guys, you know, like. I'm yeah, you could argue head, that. In my head. At I, that moment. At that moment. <laughs> I had to tell myself, because I, exactly. I just give up 10 grand, yeah. right? But the good thing is I met Mark Parker that night. Okay. President of Nike. Yes. Yeah. And he was like, hey, thanks for coming out. I love your work. I was like, how does he even know who the fuck I am? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. He watched lowrider sports and shit. Like, what does he, how does he know? Yeah. Um, but after that, it took a year, and Berto from Supreme mm-hmm. got behind me, mm-hmm. and James Bond and Eddie were like, from Undefeated. From Undefeated, co-signed me with Nike. Just and, being like, you should fuck with this guy. Yeah. Wow. This is dope. You should do this shit. Right, right. So a lot of it, you know, is is who you, your friends yeah, are, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, then you gotta you gotta you gotta do it. So it was a good thing once they paperwork was done and mm-hmm. it was official, and, mm-hmm. and um, they were actually because I think at that time they weren't really down with paying artists. Yeah, it was like, like we're blessing you already. This is a good look for you. <laughs> yeah, but I already had a lot of things going at that time, uh-huh. so I kind of showed up looking like i didn't need it you right. know what i'm saying right but it was cool it worked out really good and the best part of designing three air force ones and three cortezes and throwing a crazy event mm-hmm. 
is we did about 20 outreaches with the youth. Yeah. So we go to like a continuation school or a probation school, Mm -hmm. and we'll bring some youngsters in, and I'd say, look, I got a high school diploma. I got a driver's license. That's about all the, the school, the shit I got. Yeah. But I designed these fucking shoes because I'm a fucking madman and I, I I I have a work ethic and right. I black out till I get it done and I accept nothing but success. Yep. Um, that's all I'll take in. Yeah. I think it's important for those kids to see that, you know, we mentioned like a Picasso or like you're not like the savant phenom. Like you just right. It's years there. and years of work yeah. and focus right. and like practicing when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. When everyone else is out to the club and you think, or they're at a back, at a party, mm-hmm. and you think you're missing out, the shit shows that it gets greater later. Yeah, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask: When you met Mark Parker, did you hit him up for the for the co- collaboration right then and there? No, I knew not to spaz. I kind of like maybe <laughs> bought, brought it in that area of well, if I did my shoe, <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, this would be <laughs> I'll hit it from this direction, and I'll. Bring in the piece of the culture, yeah. the piece of the automotive design, and blah blah blah. Right. But I kept it short. I didn't want to like too much. But thirsty. just him knowing, kind of like who I was, even if just someone told him five minutes before, mm-hmm. it was cool. Yeah. So that gave me like the confidence I could do it. Wow, that takes some major cojones from cartoon. I'm glad Cartoon didn't take the vendor check because who knows if we would have been blessed with so many dope Cartoon Air Force Ones and Cortezes over the years. Everyone wants to chase the bag today. I get that. And 10 grand to tattoo the same script over and over again for a few hours is easy money. But never forget, look at the opportunity from all sides. What perceived boxes does this put you in? And can you break out of that box when it comes time to? As you develop your path in life, You'll be put into many moments that can get you closer to your goal. And sometimes hindsight is 2020 and you see how clear things are after the fact. And other times you have the intuition and the outside perspective from others that help you make the right decision. There's nothing wrong with taking the quote unquote step back if it's clear that it will lead you to what you eventually desire. Taking that job for the quick bag isn't always the smartest decision. So always think about the consequences, whether positive or negative, and how they play into your next role, job, or project. Because you know what's harder than racking up opportunities to get your name out there and getting paid for it? It's saying no to them. So at this moment now, you have the, the shoes come out. It kind of puts you on a different sphere, right? So it's now... You've advanced sort of outside of graffiti, airbrushing, automobile. Now it's like this, I mean, I hate to say it, but this is like now Hype Beast Universe is now yeah, knowing yeah, about you, right? You're, you're put into another universe. Now, mind you, I used to design for extra large. Mm-hmm. I've brands, had yeah. multiple like streetwear brands yeah. before we knew that they were called streetwear, streetwear brands. brands. <laughs> yeah. And like I had designed for Supreme and Stussy. Mm-hmm. And, and undefeated, and so like I already understood cut and sew, mm-hmm. and taught myself Photoshop, yeah. and like fell in love with this concept of. Let me get this straight: you could put a tag in an applique 
stitched on a fucking hoodie uh-huh. that, that we had never even thought about yeah. that shit. Yeah, and it never washes off, and it, the kid just wears it for yeah. 10 years. And you put a fucking another one on, on by the wrist that's embroidered right. and yep. a woven label. Oh, my God. Yeah. And you could put fuck you on the woven label, too? Oh, oh man. You don't go to jail? What? I couldn't fucking believe that shit. Like, this is uh, Levi's on mushrooms. You know what I'm saying? Like, make the pockets bigger. Put a stash pocket in. Right. Make it this way. Make it a little baggier. You know, that time we were trying to make them baggier, Mm -hmm. you know? But uh, I fell in love with the cut. So, So when it came time... To do like the Air Force One, I knew to turn it in vectored, and mm-hmm. I had the you know the whole package laid out right, to right. where they were. They could make it easily. Yeah, so yeah. like we weren't just turning it in on like you know salsa stains on the motherfucking paper <laughs> yeah. and shit. Like we knew how to like do business with them. Right. When I asked you earlier, you mentioned that you had to be ready for this opportunity, mm-hmm. and I thought what you meant was like your skills like your artistic skills had to be ready but it sounds like it's more like you had to understand like what the mr cartoon brand meant you had to be ready in that way right yeah mentally i think uh, you have to be ready you have to, anything i do i visualize it maybe a year prior mm-hmm. so I, I start thinking of something i start talking to my friends about it and i put it out there yeah um i'm skeptical of like the concept of putting things into the universe or but I do, I do uh, logically think that flow. There's some type of flow that mm-hmm. I when someone's on and they're like open in their shit, head. Right? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I dabbled with all that. I mean, I'm, I've walked on burning coals barefoot at like a Tony Robbins seminar. To <laughs> you know, I grew up listening to Earl Nightingale and Zig Ziglar. Uh-huh. Anybody over. <laughs> 60 might know you those lost names. Me on that one. I'll have to Google that shit. Google that. These are the first motivation speakers okay. in the 70s that my old man used to torture me with in the fucking car. <laughs> yeah. I'd beg him, Pops, please don't put that old man on. Do not put the old man on, please. Son, you should listen to this. It's good shit. And I didn't. I blocked it out like mm. fucking noise. But one thing stayed, and that's whatever you think about, you will become. So it's so, like the secret. It's kind of like it's a f- speaking it into the existence. Yeah, but I don't think that if like my cousin thinks about a raptor, uh, the new raptor, it's going to just end up and in his driveway. driveway. <laughs> now, it might end up in my motherfucking driveway right. <laughs> because I fuck with cars and I just go fucking get it. Yeah, you know, yeah. but then there's other things I can't get that I want. And mm-hmm. I'm fucked up in that area where, where like I've, that was the closest to kind of religion I got was um, inner peace and trying to be like, trying to improve yourself, trying to be less of an asshole, apologize when necessary, mm. make amends, work on your character defects, using these kind of things. And, you know, I was told at a young age that I was blessed and gifted mm. from God. And that's a lot to take in when you're 12. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you want me to make my bed afterwards? Yeah, you know, right. you told me I'm you gifted from the man upstairs. Shit. <laughs> yeah, why don't I mm-hmm. go to school now? <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, gonna made. <laughs> but so I, I've I've always been kind of it, and then I started speaking to kids, and I started to like, hmm. I would tell them, you guys can be what you you know. If you're in the art, you can be an artist. Yeah. If you're in the music, 
You might not have started a band. I mean, your band might not be famous, but you can stall car stereos. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to give them real tangible shit they right. can like. If you are the man installing car stereos, you can buy a home, you can send your kids to private school, you can live yeah. that life. Right. I'm just trying to give them functional things that they can they can do. And then I started thinking, you know, does does God play favorites? Mm-hmm. You know, why is this guy gonna make it and this kid Word. is gonna be a bum? Word. I think about that too. So that that's always kind of messed with me. Like, am yeah. I really gifted or have I just been working my whole life at one thing? And right. you know, so these are the biggest questions in life. You know? Totally. Sometimes when I talk to a room of like let's say 30 kids, yeah, you know deep down. Only five are going to really make it, make it. Five out of 100, yeah. Yeah, so mm. I grapple with that too. I'm trying to inspire them, but I don't know what it is. It's just maybe law of averages or just whatever it is. Like, you know 95 ain't going to make it. And yeah. you don't want to say that, but Well, a lot of them it. don't know the information, right? So no one's telling them, hey, man, you can, you can go work for the studios, mm-hmm. be an electrician for Warner Brothers and be like in the movie business yep. and shit. Or, hey, man... You know, in school, like, they don't know how to teach us in school. Like, no. if it's school, they would have pulled me in and go, you know what, kid? You suck at math, yeah. but you're good at art. Mm-hmm. We're going to push you towards art. Matter of fact, we're going to mix math and art together. Right. No, it's well, not they, like Of that, course, though. don't do that <laughs> no. shit, you know? Yeah. So um, they didn't know how to teach me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I got mixed emotions. I have four kids, so. Yeah, I was about to ask. Now that you're a father mm-hmm. and your kid has grown up seeing my dad's getting flown all around the world, tattooing the biggest stars in the world, doing shoes. Was he thinking like, yo, we're, we're gifted, we're good? <laughs> no, I mean. No? How do you instill humbleness when your kid's seeing this like amazing life? Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because when you're trying to like lecture them about being humble, they're in like an Escalade with headphones on. They're mm-hmm. not even listening to you because they're watching TV and shit. Yeah. But. They see that they're not going to do what we say. They're going to do the way me and my wife act in the house. Mm-hmm. How I treat my wife is how my son will most likely look at women and, and deal with that. Yeah. And uh, vice versa. And work ethic and everything, right? Yeah. yeah. So they see the old man getting up, work, even when he's sick, he goes in and he, you know, he does his thing. Um, and I have, like, I tell my kids, you can't be anything you want to be. I'll let you know that right now. <laughs> Inspiring words. Yeah. <laughs> I go, you, I told my son, you will never in your life win the female gymnastics gold medal. Not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So don't believe when people, you can be anything you want to be. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be in the NBA, son. <laughs> Five foot eight. It's just it's not going to happen. Right. But you can design a jersey for the mm-hmm. NFL. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, um, you, you can, can be in it. In. But yeah, so I, I'm trying, what I'm trying to tell him is, Find what you're good at and right. what you love and push towards on that. Yeah. But be realistic in the fact that something that you that you can do. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's difficult. And you could be great at a very simple thing. Organization or listening or this or that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to push art on my children mm-hmm. because they will be expected to know about it. So I'm like I'm kind of like how a Chinese family does it. You're gonna be a doctor, <laughs> right? And that's it. You uh-huh. know, just out hearing my friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't get like the rainbow. I'm gonna be creative. You know what I mean? That that shit don't go in a lot of families. Some people's family tells them you ain't gonna be shit, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, don't even try. So all of your kids are artistic. 
No, I mean, yeah and no. I mean, uh, I kind of uh, just have them all do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Artistic is, I mean, do they, do they like it? Yeah, they like it. I think being submersed in it, it was just always there. Yeah. And they're always doing it. They're always being challenged to draw. Put your phone down, piece of paper and a pencil. Right. Figure it out. Draw. Yeah. yeah, let's see. Right. I go, you we go to these cool shit and we're able to go to decon and these cool stuff because I spent a lifetime of practice mm-hmm. and doing repetition and the same thing over and over and over and over. This is what separates the dreamers from the doers, the people who want to do it and the people who are doing it. It's a lifetime of practice, a mindset of now, and the discipline for repetition. Cartoon's amazing work comes from his own brain and his own two bare hands. Just as much as a serious hooper needs to shoot 100 free throws every day, Cartoon, a living legend, continues to put those hours into this day. Almost every guest on The Business of Hype will tell you how much concentration into their craft was needed to get to where they are. How many parties go on while you're discovering a new technique or building out a brand new plan? How many late night or early mornings were dedicated to grinding? And how many of them are willing to do it because that is the only way to do it properly? I know for me, when I was starting Staple, all my friends would be going out, hitting the bars, the clubs, the shows, I mean, this was New York City at the turn of the century. I just had a hunch that if I joined, there just weren't enough waking hours to accomplish what I wanted to, what I needed to. Hell, I could barely get it all done even with no social life to speak of. So how are these people doing it while battling a two-day hangover? And this was the tough part. Even though this was happening pre-social media, there were people out there, and you know who I'm talking about, that gave off the perception that they were making it by going out. I think the term is called networking, the act of making moves while high or drunk at a club at 4 a.m. And people really were making a living doing this, I'm not going to lie. But where are those people now? Why? Because it's not sustainable. You might be able to skyrocket to fame and success, but can you sustain that for years, decades, a lifetime? I wasn't interested in having one incredible year. Cartoon and I have one thing in common. We were only interested in creating a legacy. So right now, if we looked at the cartoon pie of everything that you do, right? Can you break down the slices of the pie? Like how much of it comes from automobile? How much comes from tattooing? How much comes from collaborations and commissions? Can you break that down? Yeah. The estate? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I always heard don't put all your fish in one basket, right? Right. And, and you've definitely was, diversified. Yeah, I diversified. I mean, we never even knew we were doing that. We would just kind of like get good enough at something and move on to the next, right? <laughs> yeah. So like you become a good enough graffiti writer and your peers know who you are and you get up and you could pull off a, a, a wild style mm-hmm. and then you, you learn sign painting and then you see your friends start getting tattoos and you're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. I want to get a sleeve, you know? And, yeah. and then you... I went into the tattoo shops and I fell in love with the atmosphere and the smells and the fucking final result of like tattoos and skin, the most uh-huh. hardcore, you know, the yeah. the final frontier, the low brow under the low brow guys. You Do know? you still feel that way? That tattooing is like the echelon of your artistic expression? 
because it's on human skin. A human skin is the most difficult because the canvas moves. It's not flat. It's mm. always on on a concave surface with pores, and sometimes the canvas is drunk and pilled out. And fucking has an opinion. <laughs> he has an opinion. The art directs you and shit. <laughs> right. You know, like canvas ain't never turned around at me. And what do you do? Asking, <laughs> I, you know, when are we going to be done and shit? <laughs> but yeah, doing so the pies split up kind of evenly in a weird way where I could tattoo all day, every day if I wanted, but I have other aspirations of doing animation, mm. of of doing um, you know graphic novel type things mm-hmm. and storytelling. Yeah. So in order to do that, I have to do a lot of that now, um, even when I'm not getting paid, like projects that I'm doing for myself. Okay. So I'm really interested in that right now, mm-hmm. which is like music and putting voices and doing this animation stuff. Yeah. And as you mentioned before, you're starting some podcasts. Right. I have my, you know, I've been doing for almost 10 years a vinyl on Sundays called oh. Soul Sundays. Mm-hmm. And me and my wife do it. And we're obsessed with classic Motown, you know, Philadelphia sound, the dramatics, the whatnots, the dynamic superiors, you know, early Marvin Gaye and and funk, you know, cameo and funkadelic and these type of groups. That music is pretty much the soundtrack for my artwork. Mm -hmm. It's what I listen to when I paint. Of course, I like classic rock and all that shit too, new wave because of my age, but. <laughs> um, and how yeah, would you do good, this? It was good. like a YouTube thing, or like yeah, this? it was. It was just we were just playing on Instagram, and uh-huh. started off. I would just play music off YouTube. I like, and then started buying all the vinyl. Okay, and I'm like, I'm only gonna play music that I have vinyl for. Uh-huh. We also will do cassettes, and we'll do um, a tracks. Wow! So it's the spirituals I'm gonna get. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's uh, something that makes me happy and. I'm always doing like paintings and a lot of commercial work comes our way. So mm-hmm. like right now we're doing work for the Clippers. We'll redo like a capsule of merch that'll go into the Staples Center and right. shit. Are you very selective about the commercial work? Yeah, it has to be something I fuck with. Mm. You know, and it definitely has to be something that I already use or I already, you know. Right. Because do. your like time is so precious and tattooing, there's no shortcuts. Right. So it's like every commercial project you do, you're not doing twelve clients tattoos, right? 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 And you you want you want all of those to be hot. So it's like, yeah. Right now I'm doing a collab with Neighborhood in Japan. Word. So that's sick. It's taking a year to do. It's mm. gonna come out crazy. They, of course, there's mad detail. Those guys, you know. Yeah. And so I try to balance that out mm-hmm. with like I'll tattoo some knucklehead. Face, you know what I'm saying? Word. So that's like the hottest, this hot collab, limited edition, and then you just tattoo Rascal's face. Yeah, you know, right? How many people can you tattoo now in a year, in like a given year? I don't know. I never really um, sit and do the math too much on it because it, it's sporadic. You know, mm-hmm. like in a, in another week, I I gotta just just do merch shit, and I'll do that for a couple weeks. Merch shit. Yeah, yeah, design. I'll just do design. Right. And so, you won't do a tattoo? Yeah, I'll, I'll stop tattooing, and, right. then I'll, and then another week I'll do it, and then I'm off to like Bangkok mm-hmm. to do like a tour, tattoo tour. Wow. 
out there. So, it's, but you have on your calendar, you know, when the next tattoo client is. Yeah, I have a year already, pretty much a year sought out to where I know where I'm going to have to be at every weekend for the next year. Wow. I mean, we have the pleasure of sitting in your tattoo studio right now. Yeah. And there is one station. So it's like one station, baby. one station, and it's yeah. in your personal space. Like these people are coming to your inside of your personal space. It's not like a, a storefront shop that you might think of. Yeah. I've never really had that. Mm-hmm. I've always been private. Yeah. And you, you're, you're here, you're in my studio, you see my kids running around or right. it's, uh, you're in my studio. So it's, uh, I did that because back in the day, I didn't want to open up a street shop on, on the old school guys. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I could have easily put a shop on Sunset. Yeah, and killed with, it. With uh, Eminem's picture blown up. So, yeah, why didn't that. you want to do that? I think my mystique is more because people can't find me. Right. They might not know what I look like. They know my name, but they just there's no phone number. There's no nothing to find me. Yeah, you're like a chef that doesn't have the restaurant, and like you just got to yeah. know the chef's personal number. It's that should just work for me, and, and plus, like, I get anxiety dealing with anybody just being able to walk into your living room. You know right. what I'm saying? It's yeah. like it's crazy. And I've worked at enough street shops to know I don't want to work at a street shop. So, what's the vetting process if someone who's not an A-list celebrity hits you, hits up whatever? I don't yeah. know the bat, manager, the bat number. <laughs> yeah, I have a manager that just deals with you know a lot of my stuff. Believe it or not, is friend like. You call me, hey, my cousin wants to get tattooed, man. This is first. Oh, so one. you really still do knuckleheads? Yeah, for sure. My business survives off of like if I just waited on celebrities. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness, they'll smoke a joint, get stuck in the fucking Beverly Center, and never show up for the appointment. <laughs> I need Joe, construction guy. Where that's you still know, he's been stacking his chippers. Had an argument with his wife. She wanted to remodel the kitchen. He wants a fucking back piece. Um. <laughs> He has to get a rent a car. He's got to leave his job. And I've got every guy at his work trying to talk him out of the tattoo, saying that their cousin can do it for half price. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to California to get that shit when you can get it done here in Wisconsin? (laughs) I still hope that you still do that. So it's, you know, it's a way also for us to build like this real strong clientele of uh, people. So now we don't need any new clientele. We have enough just with people that keep going. Right. They get addicted, you know? Yeah. My business survives off addiction. Right. Totally. People's low self-esteem in the mirror. They, <laughs> they want to add on. Yeah, yeah, I need to put it on. Start on this side, you got to do that side, you know? <laughs> Word. Um, we mentioned before, going back to the beginning, how, like, you didn't have a website, a MySpace, or an email. And today, obviously, the, the act of promotion happens on social media. Right. And I think it's interesting that, um, you really have a grasp of that, even though you're like of the quote unquote older generation. Right. But like you have it really well versed in how to like do Instagram and social media and shit like that. Thanks. Um, you have to keep up. You know, mm-hmm. you have to keep up. I, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to. Yeah. Meaning that uh, it's part of the job. It's part of the job. Like I try not to get distracted by looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I have so much work to do, I have no time yeah. to be looking at what someone ate today or right. they got a great parking spot or whatever they're posting, you know. <laughs> um, and ta- But tattooing as a genre on Instagram is yeah. crazy. It's insane. Yeah. So, like, do just, you ever feel like a little FOMO, like, damn, these young cats is like 
millions of followers all overnight. They yeah. haven't even like put in time, you know. I mean, it's it's hard to say because um, they got something about them. You know, there's also someone that's dope as fuck that got no followers. Yeah. So you're like, hmm, this kid, you know. Mm-hmm. But now they got like hot girls that are tattooers, or how can I compete with that shit? You know, <laughs> I just got to go in for like the OG yeah. uh, side. You know what I mean? Right. Come yep. in through a certain angle where um, I I got to be weird, man, and just just do different things. But I, I watch it and mm-hmm. I pay attention to it, and um. I don't know. I mean, I like new music and everything. People are complaining. I know my friends are getting old and shit because they're like, these new kids and this new rap and bumble, mumble bullshit. And I'm like, man, you're getting fucking old. <laughs> you're complaining about the young, the youngsters. Right. You're your like, dad. Yeah, like Kendrick Lamar's new artist. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, You, you, you just got to find it. Yeah, it's just, it's there, you know. J. Cole's making music, and these kids, you know, are making shit. Snoop just put a bomb album out. So, like, <laughs> the shit is out there. You just got to listen to it. And if you don't like it, you should recognize why you don't like it. Right. Or not everyone's going to like it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't. I listened to some of this shit today, and I'm like, that sounds exactly like so-and-so. Yeah. And then another song comes on. It's a different name, and that sounds exactly like. Right. You know the reference. Future or something yeah. like that. So that that gives me anxiety because they're biting. Mm-hmm. They're like using someone else's style, so that fucks me up. But not so much on their lyrical shit. You could be real, real simple. Like Biz Marquis wasn't the dopest conscious lyricist. Mm-hmm. He was just dope. His flow, and his yeah. flow and the beat selection and all that shit yep. came together. And some of these kids is made for the strip club. Yep. Or like That's if you thing. have yeah. two 15s in your trunk, Wolfers, that music sounds fire and right. that shit. Yeah. So there's something for everything. So you're not intimidated by the future? No. No, I'll bump that. If it's good, it's good. Mm -hmm. And I'll bump that shit. And uh, music sounds different in a car with a stereo system. So you you might like some shit that's like, there's absolutely nothing positive or lyrical about that shit. It's just straight ignorant. Right. Fucking crazy. I just want to sell a bird of cocaine afterwards. (laughs) If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm fantasizing. Yeah, myself fantasizing, dope, of right? course. Oh, um, or <laughs> shooting somebody, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the AK, the AR-15. Right. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I use all that to kind of like I watch my kids and trip out on their friends. And I drop off. I watch what the kids are wearing, you uh-huh. know? Yeah. In California, they just wear black. They wear black shoes, black shirt, black mm-hmm. socks. Yep. That's the uniform. I love that. With how many years he's been in the game, Mr. Cartoon, the OG, isn't going anywhere. Jay-Z said in an interview a couple of years back, Would you rather be a trend or you rather be Ralph Lauren? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. you'd rather be a trend or you'd rather be forever. I'm the person that looked at the Mona Lisa and be like, man, that's going to be cool in 40 years. Right. <laughs> right? I play forever. Right. I play forever. Rap is a genre that's historically been a young man's game. You catch some fire early on, and then it's on you to keep that fire going for as long as you can. And a lot of times, it's short-lived. But there are some OGs who have mastered the art of longevity. And it goes the same with art and Mr. Cartoon. This comes with adopting to the times, adopting to new ways of communicating. But more importantly, it's about keeping an open mind. And those who had their recognition and stay true to their era and only their era 
weren't able to transition to be relevant to today. What's important that adds to Cartoon's success are two things. One, his openness, and two, his clear understanding of who he is and what he represents. He's not the OG that sits back and spits those back-in-the-day lines. Like anyone creating for the now, he continues to pull references and inspiration, or at least gain knowledge of what's bubbling today. In my experience, the best creatives are also the best sponges. And just like what Mr. Cartoon says, if you don't like something today, question yourself on why that is. You'll realize the answer to that question actually speaks volumes about who you are as a creator. Speaking of uh, intimidation of the future, have you ever been intimidated by celebrity or fame? Yeah, I mean, like, if, if you see Pacino, you know, like in a restaurant or something, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Carlitos Way is right there, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. go down the list of movies, right? But how about someone who wanted to get tattooed by you? Were you like, damn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just having, you know, certain people, like ballplayers or rappers, you know what I'm saying? Like, any ones that you recall where you're like, you had to really like pound your chest and like do an extra set of push-ups before you did that hmm. session? I mean, fortunately, most of the people that have come in, they come in like I'm real chill shit. Mm -hmm. But like seeing, I don't know, someone like Nas or Premier or someone like wow. that. You Those are like the nice guys too. Yeah, those guys are dope. They'll yeah. sit there and bullshit with you. Eminem's a trip when he's in the room, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because like, Eminem is not a public person. Yeah, he, he's not. And everyone's getting at him for something. So, he, Right. But when he gets tattooed, he's in the room for six hours. So he ve eventually puts the guard down. And yes. You just talk about your wives or some shit. It's like a strangely, that, you know? like, very, very vulnerable situation for a person who's living under a microscope to be in. But if yeah. they want the tattoo, they got to deal with that vulnerability. Yeah, I mean... You get like Carlos Boozer in here, a ball player, mm -hmm. or, or Kobe. And these guys are real men. They're yeah. fucking giants. You know, I got to get on a stack of phone books to take a picture with them. It's just, <laughs> just pitiful. <laughs> but such fucking great guys, man. Like Carlos Boozer, you know, great ball player and just real uh, good person. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like Any nightmares? Um, yeah, you get some like, you know, younger younger rappers that are coming up being insane and you know you you get uh you get real characters in the tattoo shop man mm -hmm. you get people that are you get a lot of rich people yeah so you get a kind well, of you like, get a you get a lot of rich people yeah yeah <laughs> Not, Before, yeah. you know it's good it's a double-edged sword right. let me tell you along with having a lot of money usually comes some entitlement mm -hmm. and some um brain damage you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm not right. a therapist but these fuckers are nuts man yeah yeah so you just see the funniest characters, man, yeah. come up. Like they might not be a celebrity that everybody knows, but they're known. Mm -hmm. You know, so but they it's weird, like no matter where you go in the world, everyone kind of knows each other in a weird way. Mm -hmm. You know, the people from New York and the people in France and London and Yeah, it's a it's a close knit network. Yeah, especially like streetwear and shit like that. Right. It's, so it's what do you small. see for your future now? For the future now, I see myself in doing animation and telling stories oh nice you know so you really um, want to do new media stuff i'm forcing myself to to uh to go to the next level and live mm -hmm. up to my name and be mr cartoon Word. you know what i'm saying yeah but in order to do that i got to make these images move and have sound effects 
and music mm-hmm. and and fluidity. Right. So it's, and you got to learn the craft of it before you outsource it to someone else to do it. Yeah, you have to do it yourself before you can outsource it. Mm-hmm. So um, the goal is to do everything internal. Yeah. So that I don't have to wait on any like big motion picture company or any of that. We just do it ourselves. Right. Because the shit I'm going to want to do, they're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. And from producing a couple movies, yeah, I've learned that I have to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. To like show that, them how it's done. Yeah, to yeah. show them the real shit. That's because, kind of been your whole career, actually. <laughs> like, You just have to do it first. Yeah, and so for everyone out here like listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. most likely are starting at something new. Yeah, They want to be a chef. They're just going to sh- school. Mm-hmm. They want to be a designer. They're, they're sketching at home. You yep. know what I'm saying? Looking for that break. I'm doing the same thing, but with a new form yeah. that new I'm medium. working on, new media yeah. that I'm doing. So if you're not doing that, then you're probably stagnant. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you should always be, you know, like do, doing these podcasts and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's a new thing. Yeah. It's like we know how to draw, but then you got to like articulate it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I had to do a speaking thing the other week. I was I was on a stage in front of like you know five hundred people or some shit, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's not only knowing how to draw, but you got to get on stage and be witty, and charismatic, <laughs> and fucking explain the shit to have like civilians understand our right. shit. Right. You know? Exactly. When you speak to these kids, what is like the most common? mistake or shortfall that you see from kids today and you could even i don't know if this is something that you see in your kids or just kids that you meet and talk to and like these you know lectures and talks that you do that's a good question when i speak youngsters i've seen over the years that the number one maybe problem is lack of clarity so when i ask these kids i go what do you what do you want to be and the kid looks at me me he don't know Mm -hmm. but if i go to a middle class or upper middle class school they know exactly what they want to be interesting they'll tell you to the to the t matter of fact to where you're like okay man you know slow your roll be humble too bro you have to (laughs) tell them to slow down chief executive officer of the yeah (laughs) so they so it's a lack of clarity so Mm. if these kids can at least figure it out what drives them yeah like, I love music. I'm a music person. Hey, I'm a visual person. I work off of visual or, you know what, off a of touch. I'm going to sculpt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do this. Um, so I think that's that's what I'm doing with my children is what drives you, what are you good at, and move towards that. Yeah. Because even though it's a job, it, it's, it has to go, but you got to love it because there's so many hours of work involved. Mm-hmm that you have to love it in order to hang in there. Yeah. And I think young people have this really high expectation that they have to know exactly what it is that they want to do. But it sounds like your advice is always like, no, don't worry about the title, the salary, the company name. Just like, what the fuck is it that you want to do? Yeah, like round it out. Like, I've been so many different artists, Mm -hmm. but I knew I wanted to be an artist. So I at least had that part down. Yeah, right. So now I'll be, you know, an animator mm-hmm. where I wouldn't have had that title. Yeah. So I I did an animation recently um, for DJ AM's documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, dope. Um, and I was able to do this crazy scene where 
if you go into a liquor store in California, any hood liquor store, you see a little glass pipe with a synthetic rose inside of it. Mm-hmm. You ever seen those things no. in the stores? They're there, so okay. you, only a dirt bag would recognize that shit. <laughs> okay. Because it's for smoking cocaine, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you can't just sell a cocaine pipe at 7 Eleven. Uh-huh. So they got to throw this little shitty synthetic rose, rose inside of right. it. So it's like, I don't know, you get that for your girl. Like, I got you this rose of a straight shooter, you know? Yeah. And it's a crack pipe. Mm-hmm. And so I had the crack pipe slowly coming up, and then the rose went through the center. And it opened and it bloomed into a skull, and then the petals drop. Uh-huh. And it was for my buddy that he he OD'd. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of telling that story. So, mm-hmm. um, when when I did that, it felt really good to like see the shit move and the music with it. Right. So I got, but I didn't grow up like obsessively watching cartoons. You mm-hmm. know, I, I Hanna Barbera and. Disney shit like anybody else, you yeah. know. But uh, I really see it as the way, after doing enough feature type of producing, mm-hmm. I was like, I got to do animation because I want to blow up cars and yeah. go to hell and right. take a one-way the elevator to shit. hell. <laughs> yeah, You know, I want to go to hell where all the cool people are. You know, Amy Winehouse is performing this weekend. In hell. In hell. Yeah. Um, hell got a bad rap. You know, the guy upstairs is just talking bad about hell all this time. And we find out all the strippers are in hell. True that. All the scientists are in hell. <laughs> yeah. So they got the AC figured out by now, for right. sure. What was I saying? <laughs> we were actually going back to young kids and clarity. Yeah. So, yeah, your advice is... Have some clarity. Get specific about what it is that you actually feel passionate about. Yeah, that's the move. Otherwise, I can't help them mm-hmm. get to where they want to go if they don't know. Yeah. So, at least by the time you get out of high school, mm-hmm. you should kind of feel what it is. What if you're a kid listening and you just really don't know? Then what you do is you start to change the way you talk to yourself. You start to change or improve the questions that you ask yourself. Mm. So most thoughts are are an ancestor to to a question, right? So um, if a kid asks himself a quality question like, what would be my fantasy job? Or, you know what, if I won the lottery, what would I do? Word. You know, if uh, I could be anything, what would it be? Yeah. And... You'll get that answer, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of be like, "Okay, um, who's going to help me get there?" Mm-hmm. Man, I know Jeff. Jeff's a fucking together guy. I think he could help me get my logo, and that's what you do. Yeah. You're like, you get the people around you. Like, who who's going to help me achieve? And you start asking yourself some good shit, smart questions. Yeah, yeah instead of how come that guy gets it, and uh, you know why? Why Absolutely. does this? And they start defeating themselves without even knowing it because right. they're. And that's what we call like a hater, like a mind frame of a hater that mm-hmm. complains about other people's shit but really ain't doing it themselves. Yeah. So you don't want to fall into that. Everyone does. Everyone judges somebody. But you don't want to fall into that routine. Well, that's you're, your 24-7. Like, yeah, your yeah. daily routine. Is hating. Yeah, well, yeah, it shouldn't be that. Your daily routine should be like, how can I be a member of this shit, of this of hip hop, mm-hmm. like for me, it was hip hop. Yeah, how how could I 
be in this shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I tried breaking, ain't gonna happen, mm-hmm. right? But I can draw. Yeah. Oh shit, I think I could do that. I wanna see my name on the wall. And then it turns into a fever. This shit Once has to be that, a yeah. fucking fever. Right. That's what makes the difference between someone that really reaches to the heights, I believe, is someone that could get obsessive. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of kind of my handicaps. I'm very obsessive. and I, I, But then it's, it, it works for me sometimes because I submerge myself into something. Yeah. And I won't accept anything but that. Word. But shit fucks up all the time, but I just don't recognize it. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay, I ain't, obsessed, gonna, yeah. I ain't gonna do that again. Fuck. Right. And I'm where other people would be like, maybe crushed over that shit. Mm-hmm. So it's learning of what happens to you. And, you know, I'm, I literally talk about this shit forever. Yeah. You know, and I don't know who the fuck's listening to this right now, but, uh, <laughs> but I salute you. <laughs> but I listen to this shit too. Like when I'm drawing uh-huh. and like I'm tattooing, I'm gonna be there possibly six hours. Yeah. So I throw on some fucking nutty shit. <laughs> I listen to soundboard prank calls. Wow. <laughs> I'm obsessed with soundboard prank calls. So you know what this is, this phenomenon? Yeah. I don't know if it's a phenomenon, but I kind of know what it is. Well, it started off with like Judge Judy and Schwarzenegger voices or <laughs> calling up with their voice Pranks, on the soundboard yeah. yep. and getting people pissed. Uh-huh. So what happens is, is that... If you start looking at that stuff, like Howard Stern stuff, prank calls and all that, it, you start seeing these other things that says the Springfield pervert mm-hmm. or the um, the um, Birmingham redneck or the NYC cunt. Mm-hmm. These are different characters that they've made out of the victims of soundboard prank calls. Oh, wow. So these are all victims of being molested on the phone uh-huh. for a month or two, right? A prank calling someone every day. Eventually, they'll threaten your mother. They'll they'll fucking spaz. To, <laughs> and these and people you love listening to that when they go off the rails. It's amazing because <laughs> they take that frustrated person's voice mm-hmm. and chop it up and call them back with their own voice, <laughs> and then they argue with their own voice for like thirty minutes. So I can knock out 30 minutes of that tattoo listening to this idiot right. argue with the soundboard of himself. Well, I guarantee you, kids will be listening to this and they'll get a lot more out of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one is completely ignorant, like fucking caveman shit. Right. And others like, yeah, you can be what you want to be. Be spiritual and draw. And the other is like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> it, it's my yin and yang. Word. And that's Mr. Cartoon. Yes, sir. Good looking out, man. Thank All you right, very much. Honey. Thanks, man. Yep. Hey, thank you for listening to this trip down a lifetime of accomplishments with the OG, Mr. Cartoon. As always, you can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes at hypebeast.com slash radio. We are now at almost 500 reviews with a 5.0 rating on Apple Podcasts. Keep shouting us out and telling us what you think of the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. In fact, I'd like to read one of the reviews right now just because it was so good. This is from F. Ailman. Back on January 8th, 2020, the subject is, this is free, question mark, question mark. 
Jeff and his team do a tremendous job each season bringing curators and influencers on his podcast. He drops gems on here. It honestly has been very inspirational and motivational listening to everyone's stories. It's good to know legends in the game don't always have it so easy. Keep up the great work, Jeff, and thank you for sharing this with the world. You are welcome, Mr. Ailman. I enjoy doing it, and I hope to bring you a lot more. So thank you as well. Also, do me one other solid and just tell one friend about this episode. Someone you know whose dream it is to be doing art as their way of living. I have a feeling they're going to thank you for it. We also occasionally answer listener questions on the show. So if you have a question, shoot it over to me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Staple. The Business of Hype is created in collaboration with Bright Young Things. You can check out their work at byt.nyc. Our director is Daniel Navetta. Our audio engineer is David Rogers Berry. Our audio interludes are composed by Gabe Darling. Our associate producers are Sydney Pacumpra and Christina Hong. This episode was recorded on location at the secret Mr. Cartoon Studio in Los Angeles, California. I'm Jeff Staple, and you've been listening to The Business of Hype on Hype Beast Radio. Thank you.